Welcome to the Paleo View. I'm Stacy Toth, best-selling author and co-creator of PaleoParents.com, where we focus on real-life solutions for families seeking help. I'm Dr. Sarah Ballantyne, New York Times best-selling author and creator of the Paleomom.com. I'm passionate about improving scientific literacy around public health topics. I like hashtags and bone broth. And I'm just a super nerd. How to doodle a neighborino, to quote the Simpsons from the early 90s. You keep aging yourself. It's not It's not good. I mean, presumably Ned Flanders still exists. It's a thing. Like, it's still at Universal as one of the most popular attractions. The Simpsons will live on forever. Right? So, it doesn't date me. <laughs> new people, new people, new people, new, new young people watch The Simpsons, I'm sure. <laughs> um, so, I kind of have this thing. I mean... I wanted to say something, but (laughs) (laughs) I don't know what you're talking about. Oh, no, wait, you're talking about the other thing with the thing and not the thing. Okay. The thing, the thing, not the thing. All right. Well, pretend I didn't say anything. I sorry. I'm barely, I'm feeling punchy tonight. Uh, Your thing. Now I'm feeling like, now I'm feeling like maybe there's something I don't even know about myself at this point. (laughs) Um, That's, that's part of our self-discovery journeys. Something like that. Something. So my mom needs you to do more health research. (laughs) (laughs) I love questions that come from Carol. They're like totally my favorite. They're always like, hey, I have this quick little question. I'm like, sure, I'll look into that for you. And like three hours later, all right, I I have an answer and it's super complex and let me take an entire podcast episode. I think that's what we're about to do, right? An entire podcast episode to go through it. So what I think is also hilarious is that uh, my mother and I appear to have such sketchy genetics that we have things that you've never even heard of before and you wrote like a 4,000 page book <laughs> I know so because uh, I mean we're like pretending like you're putting me on the spot but you're totally not putting me on the spot because I totally got a heads up and did actually spend an hour and a half researching this topic um, but but um, yeah this was like I was like uh, I don't know that's a thing I guess that's a thing I don't know if that's a real thing or if that's like a woo-woo medicine thing. I guess I should look into that. Yeah, it turns out it's a real thing. Like a real thing. With like science and stuff. The Which- advantages to being your friend is that I can forward you my mother's emails where <laughs> she declares that she has health crisis. And you're like, sure, we can do an episode on that. I mean, to be fair, this is what I tell all my friends is like, dudes, if my brain can't help you, like, what's the point? Like, if all the things I'm doing doesn't like provide some good information for my friends. Well, okay, so I know we're going to talk about it. But I think what's interesting is that this topic in particular, probably applies to more than just my mom, and or me. Um, I mean, to give you a a little tiny preview it probably applies to roughly one in five people 
this is craziness. <laughs> <laughs> I know. This is why I was like, why is this not something that's more on my radar when we're talking about something that affects 20% of the population? Like that – so, it, no, I – this was – this was an amazing topic for me to to research because this was information that needed to be in my brain and now it is. And so I'm like super excited and everyone's like, will you tell us the topic already? All right. Thanks mom for asking about nickel allergies. <laughs> so I guess we should maybe actually get into the topic. I don't know. So my mom looked into um, this rash that she's had on her hands for as long as I can remember, it comes and goes and it's not gone for a couple of years. It gets better. And I've been saying things to her like, well, you need to cut out corn and you need to cut out nightshades because I know I'm highly sensitive to those things and you probably are, but like my mom really loves corn and tomatoes. And so she doesn't, or she'll do it for a little while, but then she'll go, you know, eat those things again. And so, uh, she is under the impression that that's not what it is and found this information about this particular type of eczema that um, is related to a nickel allergy because the hand, the rash is on her hand. Um, it started when she wore the wedding ring from my father and hers marriage that had nickel in the ring itself. It was like a copper weight and regular gold ring and the I guess the copper must have nickel in it because the copper is what um, irritated her so anyway she came to me and said I think I have this nickel nickel allergy and there was like a whole bunch of information of foods that I'm really sensitive to I think corn was on the list and so part of it made sense to me um but then part of it seemed a little like hokey pokey, not so much science information on the page. And so I was Burn like, yourself around. Yeah. That's I was what it's like, all about. Yep. I'm like, all right, I, I know a lady who knows a thing or two about science. So <laughs> it seems to me like it could totally be a thing because I know people put earrings in and if they're a certain metal, they can, you can be allergic to it. But how that related to, um, the food that she's eating or the lifestyle that she lives, i.e. she's also gotten some tattoos in the last few years. And that was one of the things that was on there because it could be in the ink. And so I'm super jazzed for you to geek out and tell me, is this real or not? (laughs) And so, I mean, you, you very wonderfully forwarded your (laughs) email conversation with your mom to me. And I was like, you know, it's interesting for me because I read the first bit of it. I'm like, oh, you know, yeah, like nickel allergy. Yeah, okay. And then I started reading. I was like, what? No, really? Nah. Um, so for me, I I had the joy of um, being able to, to geek out in PubMed for like an hour and a half <laughs> and, um, and really delve into nickel allergy in a lot more detail. Um, and... It was, it's an interesting topic because it's right – there's aspects of it that are super well-established. So topical nickel allergy, um, topical dermatitis reaction to nickel. So, you know, the uh, reaction that we get from earrings, from jewelry, from, um, from um, touching things with nickel, right? So that, that – allergy is super, super well established. What 
is less well established is what's called systemic nickel allergy syndrome, um, which is where low nickel diets come in. So, um, so I got to, <laughs> I got to follow the, the rabbit hole of PubMed on this one. Um, but I thought it would be really important to take a step back because whenever we talk about um, sensitivities to an essential nutrient, I feel like it's really, really important to talk about first. Like, so hang on because nickel is an essential mineral. Um, it's a trace mineral, so we need it in very, very small quantities. Um, but it helps us absorb iron. Uh, it seems to have a role in bone mineralization. Um, it has a suspected role in DNA and RNA synthesis. Um, it has a probable role in glucose metabolism. And there's also a bunch of um, nickel-based enzymes that are used by normal probiotic uh, residents of the gut bacteria. So nickel also seems to be sort of an important aspect of uh, a healthy gut microbiome. So it's, it's an essential mineral. Um, and what is very, very well understood, though, is that there's a fairly hefty percentage of us who have um, nickel, topical nickel allergy. So nickel allergy affects approximately 10 to 20 percent of the population. And that, that's high. That's a, yeah, that's a lot. About, that's like a fifth of us. Um, but that is nickel allergy. That's like the topical allergy. So that is the rash where an earring touches or a wedding ring touches um, or um, very, very characteristic is eczema on hands and feet. Um, and there's even some evidence that some people have generalized eczema, generalized dermatitis from nickel allergy. So what's less well established, but there's starting to be some papers that are starting to um, to really sort of iron this out is the role of dietary nickel. So we know that people who are nickel sensitive, um, if you give them between uh, like a one-time dose of between 600 and 5,600 micrograms of nickel, that they will have increased symptoms. Um, now, if you compare that to sort of the estimated average dietary consumption, average dietary consumption for Americans is estimated to be between sort of 150 and 200 micrograms a day. So we see this like range of symptoms starting at 600 micrograms or about three times the normal dietary intake. Um, what is um, starting to be understood, though, is that low nickel diets um, can be therapeutic for people who have eczema caused by nickel allergy. And there's, there's just a handful of papers that are starting to, to, um, to show that in, in still fairly modest um, groups of like numbers of people. So there's still fairly small studies. So does that mean when it says therapeutic, that's kind of like elimination diet yeah. approach? Yeah. So it basically means, uh, hey, you're sensitive to this thing. And if you cut it out of your diet, your symptoms of sensitivity are going to go away. Um, and it's not really well understood, like, what makes a person sensitive or not. The way nickel is, you know, it's typically absorbed. We, it is an essential nutrient. Um, typically, excess nickel is excreted in 
urine. So it's, you know, liver and kidneys working together as a team to get rid of excess nickel. And I tried looking to see, you know, like, how else do we process nickel? You know, is this a particular issue in people with MTHFR um, gene mutations? That doesn't seem, that information doesn't seem to be out there yet. Although to me, if you tell me that it's a heavy metal that is, um, you know, is an essential mineral, which, you know, there are some, right? Like molybdenum is another example. But if we have too much, we get rid of excess in our urine. I go, okay, well, you know, kidney health and liver health is, is clearly really important here. Um, and it may be that some issues with liver detoxification is part of contributing to nickel sensitivity. Um, there's this other thing called um, systemic nickel so hypersensitivity. Before you move on from that, I have a question and sure get to this but is there something that from a synergistic perspective um like a supplement or foods that one could consume to counterbalance um the sensitivity that one might have to nickel um so yes of course there is um (laughs) so um there's two there's two aspects to this. And one is, you know, we should talk about what the high nickel foods actually are. But the other one is that vitamin C reduces the dietary absorption of nickel. Um, nickel also is commonly bound up in phytates. So, um, you know, high phytates is known to reduce nickel absorption. I wouldn't recommend, given the other things we know about high the the issues with high phytate intake so like Uh, moderate consumption of nuts or something might help someone who's on a grain-free diet yeah so it's that's an interesting give or take because nuts are a moderate source of nickel but it's bound up with phytate so it's probably not absorbed but nobody has done these studies with nickel yet so we have these studies with other minerals we don't have it with nickel um but we do know that vitamin c um, helps to decrease absorption. So that's a really, you know, if someone's sensitive to nickel or they're dealing with eczema and think it might be a nickel allergy cause, um, increasing vitamin C intake with every meal is a pretty simple, very, very safe thing to try. Um, the highest nickel foods are grains, dry beans, fish and shellfish, um, Oatmeal, soy, they get special attention out of the grains and the dried beans. Um, Nuts and almonds, milk, chocolate, and canned foods. Um, And a lot of that comes from, some of it comes from like inherent, like the soil that these things are grown in. Some of it comes from the processing. So with like chocolate, it really is the processing that is where the nickel comes from. Although I have seen it on food lists of like things that are high in nickel all the time. (laughs) Um, But the nickel content of foods tends to vary because it really comes from, it comes from the environment. So it comes from the soil, comes from the processing. It comes from sort of being ground uh, by stainless steel equipment or being, you know, canned foods have more, more nickel in them because of being stored in a can. Um, So, you were about to ask a question. It, well, I was going to ask, and you kind of answered it, which is that, so if one was to consume a higher quality chocolate, like a stone ground or, a, you know, small batch uh, by a craftsman or something like that, then you're going to have a lot less 
likelihood of um, getting nickel from it. That's that's my understanding. My understanding is that the um, nickel content of chocolate comes from um, really comes from the manufacturing process, especially I think um, like Dutch processed cocoa is a alkalization process. And I think that entire processing um, actually increases the nickel content in the cocoa powder. So I think when you're talking about the high quality chocolate granted right this is not something that is typically you know this is not something that the usda is measuring and putting on food facts this is not in the usda database (laughs) so um so this isn't a mineral in which we can you know hey look at all these studies that have measured the nickel content and stuff that doesn't exist yet um so but my understanding is uh a lot of you know nuts and seeds right grains beans nuts and seeds oatmeal, soy, inherently have more nickel content. I mean, they're inherently more mineral rich typically anyways. And, um, and especially when they're grown in not amazing soil, then they have more nickel content, uh, which a lot of the industrially produced grains and legumes are like that, right? And then, um, and then the rest of it comes from equipment processing, you know, and, and, um, it's, these are very, very small quantities, right? These are micrograms. It's, it's, in, it's incredibly small. Um, it's just, unfortunately, you know, it doesn't take that many hundreds of micrograms to cause a problem for people with nickel sensitivity. Um, and it's likely that, you know, high – people who don't have nickel sensitivity, it just means the cutoff for having issues is higher. Um, so – Let's talk about systemic nickel hypersensitivity um, because this was something that I hit on in my research. I was like, wow, that sounds sounds like all the bad things. Um, so there's <laughs> – right? It was oh, okay. So I'm like crossing my fingers. I'm like, I have I enough things. I don't need uh, this. <laughs> um, so – this is it's either called systemic nickel hypersensitivity or systemic nickel allergy syndrome and um the hallmarks are skin issues dermatitis um and gi symptoms and there's also some indication that symptoms of chronic fatigue syndrome fibromyalgia headaches recurring cold sores and infections and respiratory disorders can be linked to this nickel allergy. But it's really important then to say that the evidence for this is really early. It has not been, um, you know, when you look at review articles, they all say, mm, it's, it's still controversial. It's not conclusive. We need more studies. Um, but there was a recent paper that looked at um, specifically allergy patients in Italy and found that 6% of those patients had um, nickel sensitivity and had like a systemic nickel hypersensitivity. So they were able to actually go like these react, these, it was predominantly skin symptoms and GI symptoms could directly be attributed to nickel sensitivity. So where most nickel exposure comes from, that is a problem for people, whether you're talking about, you know, the topical nickel allergy, um, or you're talking about 
the more systemic effects, right? The dermatitis on hands and feet, which goes beyond just exact points of contact or full body dermatitis, or whether even you look at these GI symptoms, um, it's the established sources of uh, nickel that is absorbed into the human body is topical exposure. It's not actually dietary exposure. Um, And so even though there are starting to be a few studies looking at low nickel diets, it's still pretty controversial whether or not dietary nickel is, is really the problem. So I already mentioned jewelry as being a very common source of nickel. And I mean, I know that I, you know, I stopped wearing basically non gold or silver earrings. I don't know, like 30 years ago. Wait, how old? Yeah, maybe 28 years ago, 30 is a slight exaggeration. Um, and I just because it irritated my skin so badly, and that was very, very likely a nickel sensitivity. Um, tattoos, which you mentioned <laughs> at the top of the show. So uh, nickel is used to make black ink pigment. Um, I actually found a, a list of the heavy metals and different tattoo inks, and um, it was it was a scary list. Um, I didn't like that list. I, I would not recommend getting red. It's just red, red, red's got mercury in it. So no black, no red, no red. I mean, so heavy metals are used for the pigmentation and a lot of, a lot of, um, tattoo inks and, you know, certain metals are not going to get into the bloodstream. Um, but some are, um, and it, there's some evidence that nickel does. Makeup, cosmetics, is a really common source of um, nickel exposure. Um, tobacco, so nickel is a heavy metal, so smoking is another source of um, nickel um, exposure. And then it's in a lot of metals. So beyond jewelry, we can get exposed in our zippers, Um belt buckles, cell phones, eyeglass frames, keys. So people who are sensitive have to really worry about, you know, buttons, all these different things that can be adding to our nickel exposure. And so it's for people with nickel sensitivity or people who are dealing with eczema, whether they know it's nickel sensitivity or not, um, these are all things to sort of be aware of on top of, you know, really other than chocolate, I think most of the things that were, oh, I guess in nuts, nuts and almonds, and fish and shellfish. All right, never mind. A lot of the foods on the high nickel food list are not eaten on a paleo diet. Um, so fish and shellfish and nuts and almonds would be, and chocolate would be the ones that are. And, you know, it really isn't clear when you're talking about chocolate and nuts and almonds, if you're seeking higher quality versions of that, if if that's a, a major improvement in terms of the nickel content. Didn't I remember that there was a list of vegetables on there too? I didn't hear you cover that. Yeah. So, um, what um, the website that your mom found, um, the all of the food lists were based on one paper published in an Indian scientific journal about nickel allergy in India. Um, with which I, I went back and read the original article, and there was some other foods listed on there like. Um, Spinach and lettuce, which um, I've seen other sources expand to leafy greens, um, gelatin. Um, so let me ask, when it says gelatin, like which part of gelatin? Is it 
don't specify and yeah. there's so there's no reference. Exactly. I couldn't figure that out and I was like, I know don't, collagen they don't makes specify, them feel good. and there's no reference compared to these other foods in which there are multiple references. So, um you know, and and there's other papers that say that animal products are very low nickel. So I don't know why an animal product would be very low nickel, but gelatin would be very high nickel. Um, that makes no sense to me, and I can't find any reference that actually measures the nickel content in gelatin. So that's not on my list because it's not it. It's not uh, well established scientifically. Um, to be fair, though. All of this is very new science. Um, you know, the n- topical nickel allergy stuff and some ideas about dietary nickel, that's science is 30 years old. Um, the systemic nickel allergy stuff is just from the last few years. The low nickel diet foods, I mean, traditionally it has been reduced grains, reduced dried beans, reduced fish and shellfish, reduced chocolate and nuts and seeds, soy and milk. Um, so like that is the, that is the longstanding list of, of a low nickel diet. Um, so it ends up being a lot like a fish free, nut free paleo diet is with, I mean, it's sad with the chocolate. Um, and it's, um, it's still not super well established. What percentage of people that works in. So there's one study was like, we did this low nickel diet in 30 people and 29 of nine of them were symptom free in a year. And then there's this other study that's like, we did this low nickel diet in 30 people and five of them were symptom free, you know, so it's, it's still, there seems to be a lot of unknowns around this topic. Um, other than, you know, the topical nickel allergy aspect is super, super well established. Okay. Well, I think this is, um, it's interesting for us to branch out into things that are kind of new to you. And I think that it's also really good for people to hear that sometimes it's about playing with things that work or don't work in your diet. And while you and I talk a lot about paleo from that perspective or AIP from that perspective, or even there's FODMAPs and, you know, low sugar and like all these different approaches, um, there's still a whole world of things out there that could be affecting people. I know like we've briefly talked before about um, histamine, right? And there's different kinds of things that could be bothering people. And in my mom's search, she stumbled upon this um, nickel allergy, which made a lot of sense because it was a ring with nickel that originally started this hand eczema that she's been dealing with for years and years, and she doesn't have it anywhere else. It's, I mean, it, gets worse sometimes right but it's it's pretty much always um on her hands so um i will be interested to i know she'll be interested in hearing this and kind of hopefully um applying some of these elimination approaches and and seeing how it goes and if she miraculously gets better i'll report back i'm also still gonna push mom you need to give up the corn (laughs) (laughs) 
because <laughs> um, I know for me, like corn is just as bad as gluten. So um, we have very, very similar genetics. But well, and, and taking a, a quick step backwards and just talking about dermatitis in general, um, you know, it's really considered to be leaky skin, right? Skin barrier dysfunction. Vitamin A, retinoic acid, so the animal form that you get in liver. Vitamin D are both super important for skin barrier function, and then just reducing overall inflammation, which you do with a nutrient dense paleo diet, avoiding food that you're sensitive to, environmental exposures that you're sensitive to. So, um, you know, nickel, it, it just might be that nickel is one of those key exposures that is perpetuating the problem. Indeed. Well, thanks for geeking out on the science, and uh, hopefully you enjoyed learning something new. I know my mom will be happy. <laughs> I, I was, I was, you know, it's it's always fun for. I actually always love delving into new topics like this. It's um, it's what it's. I geek out over really mundane things sometimes. Um, and this was kind of a fun one for me because so often when I get asked, you know, about a topic, it's like, well, yes, that's complete. <laughs> dog doo-doo <laughs> it's uh you know it 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 doesn't have any scientific basis whereas this one like really did it really had you know aspects of it had a very strong scientific basis and other aspects had you know here's two or three papers starting to flush this out but there it's just the beginning of you know a broader understanding of what this actually is and what the implications are and it, that's kind of a fun um fun thing for me to to look at, especially because um, it gets exciting when you start to look at, you know, these are questions that are just starting to be answered and here's where this is going. And now we get to, you know, await new research with bated breath. So that is always super cool to me. For sure. Super cool. And one more question. I know we're kind of hitting the end here, but for, people who in particular let's talk about like this tattoo situation it's it's in you right just kind of like um mercury once you get your um filling done it's in you and it can be uh, more dangerous obviously to try to remove a filling um i'm assuming that laser is not going to actually get rid of the nickel or other heavy metals of a tattoo because it's a surface treatment um is there anything that you can think of or recommend to try to counteract the kind of heavy metal detox from in a system other than the the food and lifestyle approach? Yeah. So I, I mean, I don't know if tattoo removal would actually remove the heavy metals. I mean, certainly when you're talking about tattoo, you're talking about small amounts of heavy metals that are, they're embedded in your skin and they can potentially slowly get into your bloodstream at all times. Um, if someone is dealing with nickel toxicity and thinks it's a tattoo, I mean, to me, the, the very first step is to look at liver and kidney health and maybe work with a functional medicine specialist to evaluate other heavy metal exposures. There's some evidence that um, nickel toxicity is really compounded by other heavy metal exposures. So the more different heavy metals you have been exposed to, the more likely you are to have a nickel allergy. Um, so that's, you know, that's testing and potential chelation therapy that's that's done through a qualified functional medicine, integrative medicine specialist. So um, so that's that that would be my recommendation for at least a starting point. And from there, you know, looking at dietary nickel, that's where it makes a lot of sense. You know, ex it, reduce your exposure from all sources. Look at 
metals in your life and um, cosmetics and any other potential environmental exposures, look at workplace exposures. Um, and uh, that <laughs> way up the vitamin C. Excellent. All right. Well, thanks for dropping all the knowledge bombs. And now I can just email my mom and tell her to listen to this podcast. <laughs> and I can go play with my kitten. Yahoo! And I'm going to go watch The Walking Dead. Well, enjoy that. And I'll talk to you next week. Thanks for listening, everyone. We'll be back again next week. Thank you for listening to The Paleo View. If you enjoyed the show, please take a moment to rate us on iTunes. You can also support us by shopping for our favorite paleo products on the sidebars of our individual websites or by donating through PayPal. I am so ready. I'm really, like... There will be ups. There will be downs. <laughs> It'll be amazing. I'm ready. I'm ready to learn. Ready to run! Sorry, I had to... What's wrong with the both of us? Extra. Um, it's, I don't know. I just had like five chocolate, dark chocolate covered almonds. That's five that's, whole dark chocolate covered almonds. Yeah. The Trader Joe's ones that have like more chocolate than almond. Hold the phone. Five whole yeah. almonds. That's like how many I can fit in my hand. <laughs> no, like, the, you know, the Trader Joe's has I like know. these 73% dark chocolate almonds. They're not paleo because they have all kinds of like wax and soy lecithin and stuff but um they're like like the thickness of the chocolate is thicker than the thickness of the almond so it makes this almond like three times the size as it should be really i mean i didn't eat it because i thought it would make me healthier (laughs) that was not the goal that i was seeking out of it well i may have had a half of a hard cider in anticipation of another episode of The Walking Dead because last week um, I probably had heart palpitations during, <laughs> during the episode. I need, I need to start this yeah. mildly intoxicated like, so that I'm, I'm already scared. stressed out anticipating my favorite show. <laughs> this is why I do not watch this show. Yeah. Yeah. I don't, I can't do scary. I really can't. I can't do suspense. I can't do, I can't do like cliffhanger endings. I can't do gore. Like it's just not, I can't sleep. Like it, it, and it's like haunts me for days. I can't, it's not something I can handle. I can do like Game of Thrones. That's like intrigue and there's a, there's some violence not often too creepy um no i disagree (laughs) there's there's been episodes of game of thrones that made my stomach turn the way that last week's walking dead made my stomach turn but okay yes no they're not they're not all amazing for me i don't watch um typically don't watch it live on sunday evenings because um like i can't be that riled up at 10 p.m when it's done to go to bed so we usually like we, we don't have cable, but we subscribe to like HBO now. So we usually watch it the next day when we can start it at like eight. And then if it's really terrible at nine, I can be like, okay. And now I'm going to go meditate and read a book and clear my head and 
stop thinking about all of this. All right. So we got closer to the topic and then we got Just, further We got away. distracted again. Yeah. Let's, let's, let's jump into it. Nickel. It's amazing. Or not, depending on what percentage of the population <laughs> you are. Oh, well, let, okay. Well, let me just, let me just start with nickel as an essential mineral then. A, a rash at the location. Oh, I'm getting distracted by a kitten. I'm sorry. Come, oh, come here. You can't, <laughs> can't do that. I'm talking. You have to come up and cuddle or you have to go play somewhere else. Come here. You just, you just, come here, you monkey. All right. She was, she was attacking my headset cord, <laughs> which was very distracting. Um, all right, I'm going to back up a little bit because kitten distractions. Um, Seeking the truth never gets old. Introducing June's Journey, the free-to-play mobile game that will immerse you in a thrilling murder mystery. Join June Parker as she uncovers hidden objects and clues to solve her sister's death in a beautifully illustrated world set in the roaring 20s. With new chapters added every week, the excitement never ends. Download June's Journey now on your Android or iOS device or play on PC through Facebook games. <laughs> 